that's right, nothing much. That's right. That's right. Oh, I'm, I was so happy you took the nick out of me when I stood up with the laptop. I was like... Cool. Let's, um, let's bring it back on topic. Let's bring it back in and let's, uh, let's start. Um, as, I'm, as I'm speaking to David, well, I'll give you full open permission just to, to say, stop it when I'm talking, because I have this weird obsession with grabbing the lectern right here and then not moving it and continuing to talk. I don't know why I do it. It's like a nervous tick. So I stand there and I go, and then God said this to say stop it, because then I need to stop doing that. So, um, so that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like a, like a cow. Yeah. Um, so preparing for today, you're throwing me off now. Um, when I was preparing for today's message, uh, well, actually about a month ago, I was preparing for a message for Life Group. Um, and I had on my heart uh, Daniel in the Lion's Den, um, which is a story I've not really thought about for a long, old time, because um, as a cultural thing, I kind of think that we think of stories like Daniel in the Lion's Den and David and Goliath and Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego and um, all the exciting stories as kids' stories, because I grew up in a Christian home, so I was like fed all these like comic book versions of those stories. Um, so just as an encouragement or as, a, as a, an idea, go and read those stories again because they're actually not kids' stories. It's just a cultural thing. Oh, there's a picture behind me. Um, so have a look at those stories. They're really exciting. But um, God kind of put this story on my heart. So, yeah, go on. Should you switch the light off? And the other one. Oh, there we go. That adds a whole other dynamic. Um, so for those of you who don't know the story of Daniel in the lion's den... Um, Daniel was, um, was a man who was serving under King um, Darius of Babylon, which is quite a cool name, King Darius. Um, and he made uh, Daniel um, an administrator. So with two other men, Daniel was an administrator in charge of 125 other men. And it says in the Bible that Daniel excelled in his role, and then King Darius made him the leader of the whole kingdom. So he got promoted. Um, it tells us in the Bible that Daniel prayed three times a day. Uh, it told us that he had influence and he had power um, and a position in a, in, a, in a good position. He had done well in his life and was at the top of the pile. Um, the king's other men who were serving underneath Daniel were jealous of Daniel, didn't want him to be their leader. So they schemed to get him removed or to get him killed. And they persuaded the king to um, bring in a new decree or a new law which was um, that anyone who didn't, who prayed to any other god or person for the next 30 days would be executed by being fed to a bunch of lions in a pit or the den of lions. Because they knew that Daniel prayed three times a day, so they thought if we could get the king to pass this decree and law, then Daniel would continue to pray, we can dob him in, and we'll get him killed. Uh, the king, for some reason, agreed to this rule. Maybe he just wanted everyone to pray to him and worship him. I'm not sure. But the king ap approved the decree, and he signed it off. Um, so as soon as it was signed off, Daniel's uh, men followed him and found him praying in his room. So in those times, they got, that, they got a mat out, and they would pray towards, I think it was Jerusalem, and he would kneel down. And they saw him doing it. They caught him in the act, um, and they reported him to the king. And it says in the Bible that the king, King Darius, was was full of anguish and, and fear and was upset. And he tried to rescue Daniel um, for a whole day, it says. 
But even a king, even though he made the law, made the decree, he couldn't break the law that he made. He was still under that law as well. So he was, had no choice other than to give Daniel into the den of lions. And it tells us in the Bible that the king was really upset. He didn't go to bed that night and that he just fasted and prayed the entire time trying to get God to save Daniel in that den of lions. He went down at the break of dawn the next day and he found Daniel in the den alive, which is this picture here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's lo- and there's loads of pictures on there, uh, on the internet, but this was like, and genuinely, what I found really interesting was search, researching Daniel and the lion's den, you find so many comic books and stuff and like cartoons. This is actually like quite inspiring stuff. And there's a footnote of this, in case you think these are just like tame lions. It, the next like sentence in the Bible says, the king then gathered all the men that, that accused Daniel and threw them, their wives and their kids in the den afterwards and the jo- lions jumped on them before they hit the floor. Um, which is pretty savage, to be honest. So the, the lions were active. They were hungry. They weren't tame lions. So it was a miracle that Daniel survived that. Um, so originally when I thought, when God kind of put this message on my heart, I was thinking about faith because this guy had such courageous faith and it was, you know, like, you know, he, he would die for his faith. And I thought it was pretty cool. And we talked about a life group and it was a good chat. We had a good chat about faith. Do you remember it? You do remember it? That's a win. Um, and we chatted about, you know, what would you say? <laughs> creeps, yeah. No, I don't agree with that. No, they're not creeps. They're not. They're lovely. Uh, that's it. <laughs> um, and so, oh, do you know, it's not throwing me off, you guys, every time, <laughs> honestly. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I thought God was talking to me about faith in that time, but actually, um, I, we had a resonate session, and Sam had a word. He was talking about faith, but I think he's talking about something else as well. And Sam had a word for me after resonate, because we, we pray and talk together in life group. He knows a lot about my life and things that I struggle with and things that are going on. Um, and he had a word for me, which was seek first the kingdom of God, um, and everything will be given to you. And that really spoke to me. I know that Bible verse. I went back and I researched that Bible verse. And it kind of opened up a whole new, um, a whole new light on the Daniel and the Lion's Den story um, or section in the Bible. So let me just have that verse on the uh, screen. So it says, seek, so it's Matthew 6, 33. That's the NLT version up there. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you um, everything you need. And I think this is something that, that quite challenged me, especially with Daniel in that story, um, because it wasn't just about his faith that was inspiring or that was challenging to me, because I have a lack of what, something that he had. So I think, I think often the reason why we're challenged by the Bible is because we've got a lack of something, and the Bible is talking about someone that has it in abundance. So I felt challenged because Daniel had something I didn't have, and I kind of wanted what he had, or I think God was telling me to get something that he had that I needed. Does that make sense? That was a long sentence. Um, so I was thinking, like, would I die for my faith? What are my priorities? It was clear what Daniel's priorities were. Like, he prayed three times a day. He lived righteously. God gave him, like, a position in the kingdom like, above all other men. And then even when he was accused, he, he, he was saved. And it says in, that, in, that Bible, in the Bible that the men tried to find... Um, things within in Daniel's work so in government they tried finding if he was corrupt in any way and they studied him and researched him trying to find if he was corrupt and he worked with such integrity they couldn't find anything on him to get him removed out of power so they resorted to try and get him killed and thrown into the den of lions 
So I was like, do I, do I, am I prepared to die for my faith? Like, would I not pray for 30 days or would I kind of stealthily pray? Do you know what I mean? If I've normally prayed kneeling down in my room in a certain place where other people knew I prayed, would I continue to do that or would I hide it and kind of stand up right and just close my eyes and pray like that and hope no one saw me? I don't know. What would I do? And what's really amazing in that story is that the, the plan that, the, um, that Daniel's men had to kill him was they knew that he prayed three times a day. And they knew that his priority, he was seeking God first every single day. They knew that he would continue to do that. So even if it was law not to pray to God, that he would continue to do it. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? People who didn't believe in God had a perception of Daniel that he was so committed to God, he would continue to do that. So they knew that if they got the king to make that law, that he would continue to pray and, and die for his faith. They knew that. And I was thinking, do people know that about me? Do people think that about me? Like, would people think that I would die for my faith? Do people think that about me? Are my priorities right? Do people see what I'm investing my time in and my money in and what I'm doing? Do people actually think that about me? Would, if my men were Daniel's men, would they think that's the way to get me out of power? Basically, is God a priority in my life? Um, I, I like films. And I like TV shows and stuff like that. And, I, and I, I get really into them. I get like really sucked into films and TV shows. Um, and I often relate to the characters. Anyone else relate to characters? Yes, good. Um, like I watch things like James Bond. And then I... Uh, yeah, I relate to James Bond, do you know what I mean? Like, he's stylish, he's suave, he's a killer. Um, he's cool. Every man, when you watch James Bond, thinks they're James Bond afterwards. If you go to watch James Bond in a cinema and watch every man's walk when they leave... They just, they look different. They look dangerous. When I watch The American Office or The Office, anyone watch The American Office? Oh, that's bad. It's like a, a mockumentary. So it's like a mock of a documentary of an office space. And it takes the mick out all the office stereotypes that are in the space, right? And there's one normal person in there who's funny and everyone likes. I relate to him. Do you know what I mean? The fun guy in The Office, like, I relate to that guy. That's me. That's me, that guy. I, when, I, when I watch Braveheart... Yeah, I relate to William Wallace, do you know what I mean? Riding around on a horse with a broadsword going, freedom! Do you know what I mean? Being so terrifying that I can wear a skirt in battle and no one will say a thing to me. I was a kilt, all right, yeah. Um, and, but in reality, you know, I kind of think that I'll be like powerful in battle, but then if I cut my finger in the kitchen, I scream like a little girl. And I honestly, if I cut myself, I realised this the other day, this happened about six months ago, I cut the little nib of my thumb off at the very top bit, and I was lying on the couch, like, pale white, just like, just like, oh, actually, I can't look at it, I can't touch it. I thought, I'll be terrible in battle. Do you know what I mean? That was a real wake-up call. And when I, when I watch things like Harry Potter, believe it or not, I relate to people like Hermione Granger. <laughs> um, I'm going to show you a video clip here of, as to why, not just because the clothes she wears and whatnot, but what, for this one particular scene, um, I think it's perfect. Can you start again? Just pause it and start it, yeah. 
If you two don't mind, I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed. Or worse, expelled. She needs to sort out her priorities. Cool. Thank you. Um, so I know not everyone likes Harry Potter, but that one scene, though, is a banger. And it kind of, it kind of, it kind of summarises what I want to say today in that one scene. Because in my life, I quite often see me having that attitude, that mindset towards God. Like, as, as Christians, um, we're promised inheritance to a, a, a life beyond this life. Like, an inheritance into heaven, an eternal life after this. So when Jesus died on the cross and died for our sins and came back to life, and we put our faith in him, we enter a new relationship where we receive the Holy Spirit, we become his children, and because we're his children, we receive his inheritance. And his inheritance is an a life eternity after this in heaven, all right? Good news. Do you agree? Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Okay, because it is really good news, honestly. Um, but I find myself being more concerned so often with being expelled or being made, made to look stupid or not having money to buy something or not having enough time to do something than I ever am worried about or thinking or focusing on my life in heaven. Do you know what I mean? I kind of live my life like I know I should be focusing on God, but I often, so often I'm distracted by all these other things. So, so Myanie said, I don't know if you heard what she said, but she said, I'm going to bed before any of you get me killed or worse, expelled. And then Ron's like, you need to sort out your priorities. And I can kind of see that conversation happening with God time and time again. Do you know what I mean? Like, God's called me to do something over here, but I'm not worried about that because that's, that's, that's not important to me right now. I'm worried about this thing at work. We just lost a client. And this is really important. I'm freaking out. And God's like, come on, you've got an eternity here. You've got, a whole, you've got a whole life here and a whole ministry. You've got whole things you need to be focusing on over here. But I'm too busy focusing on, on not getting fired or, or trying to buy a house or trying to not upset someone or trying to do something right the other end. And God's just there going, you need to sort out your priorities. So I mentioned earlier, we're really excited and fortunate at the moment to try and buy this house. And this was a realization um, of, of kind of putting my faith to the test. Um, because we were kind of like trying to, trying, you know, when you buy a property, it's like you talk to an estate agent. Well, you find a property, you then talk to the estate agent, you then talk to the vendor, you talk to the, the estate agent, he talks to you, who you then talk to the estate agent, then talks to the vendor, and the vendor then talks to the estate agent, then he talks to you, then you talk to the estate agent, he talks to the vendor, and the vendor then talks to the estate agent, and he talks to you. Then you talk to the advisor and the broker and the solicitor, and they talk to the estate agent, he talks to the vendor, then talks to the estate agent, talks to you. And it's just so out of your control, and it's like, I kind of felt like I was back in secondary school trying to tell a girl I fancied her by talking to her best mate. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, I've got, I've got no time for it. I have no time for it. It's really, it's just like, it's, it's out of my control, and it was horrible. Do you know, I, I didn't want, I didn't want, and I was stressing about it so much. I finally felt like I had to try and, like, push this thing through and, pro and provide and work out something. Like, I could work out a way or saying something or saying something in a certain way that would convince the estate agent we're lovely people. And, you know, just trying to work out all these really clever ways or doing these certain things to try and get the properties pushed through. And you know what? I kind, of, I kind of realized that I'm actually worrying about it and stressing about something, which is exciting, firstly. But also, I'm worrying about something which I need to be trusting God for. And, like, I, and, I, and I kind of sat there, and I was talking to Astrid about this, and I was like, 
we talk about faith and we, we, we sing about faith and all that stuff, but actually when something comes up that we, is, is a test of faith, that's when you understand what your priorities are, I think. And I had to kind of shift the focus and actually put God at the forefront. And I said, if this house is right, it's right. If this house isn't right, it's not right. If we never buy a house, we never buy a house, whatever, God's got it sorted. And that's like an uncomfortable statement or mind, mind shift to make, but I had to do something like that because I was so busy focusing on the wrong things. Do you know what I mean? Like, God's got this eternity here, and I'm looking at this over here and stressing about something so stupid, and God was like, Wes, sort out your priorities. And I, and I kind of feel like when we trust in God, he uses those times that we're, that we're out of control with, you know, things that are out of our control. Lack of control is massive, isn't it? When it's something that we can't actually control, when it's things like health, employment, um, most other things in life, like, you know, money, often things are well out of our control. And it's in those times when we really panic and we stress and we worry. Um, but this Bible verse right behind me, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. If you look at Daniel, he prayed uh, three times a day. He, he worked hard. He, was, he worked with integrity. So he, was, he was trying to live righteously. He was trying to put God at the forefront of everything he was doing. He was seeking God first. And as a result of that, he was promoted to a position of leading the kingdom. And when people threw mud at him, it didn't stick. So that when he was thrown into the, into the, the lion's den, he survived and God saved him. Because he was seeking the kingdom of God above all else. And he was living righteously and he was given everything he needed. So when I ask myself, am I living with God at the forefront? Like, am I seeking God in everything that I do? And I think the answer is no. Like, a lot of the time it's no. Sometimes it's yes. But it needs to be more often. It needs to be more often than not, if not all the time. And I felt really challenged by that. Um, and I kind of just wanted to, you know, I'm not going to waffle on much longer. Um, but I kind of wanted to ask the question here, because that was a message that I felt God was sharing to me, but I think it's relevant to us here today as well. It's like, just that simple question, are you all, or are we all prioritizing God in our life? Are we all seeking God first in our life? Or have those exciting opportunities, those fun things we like to do, those scary things, those challenges in our life, have they become more important and more of a focus in our life than actually seeking God? Because I, I tell you, if we're seeking God first... No, other things aren't going to be that big a deal in our minds. We're thinking about it then, like our God is greater. Like if our God is for us, then who can stand against us? We need to stand on those promises more. I need to stand on those promises more. Like when I'm stressed about losing a client at work or doing that, I need to stop going, oh, what can I do to win another client? Or what can I do to do this? Like whatever. Like yes, it's upsetting. I'm not saying we can't worry about things and, and get a little bit, that's life, we've got emotions. But I'm saying it's not the be all and end all because we need to remember to put God first. And actually, there's something more than this. And I'm going to read um, the, the entire chapter of this shortly because it kind of goes through everything. It talks about investing our treasures in heaven and um, because everything we've got here is so temporary anyway. It says like moths will eat it and stuff. And it... I think there's a, just a perspective shift and a, and, a, and, a, and a prioritization shift that we need to do this morning. Um, and that's the message I kind of feel like I want to share today is, you know, I'm going to read out a couple of, just a couple of things quickly. Uh, you know, are we, are we prioritizing our children, um, God, sorry, ahead of, um, are we seeking God above our, our children, our children's education, our health, our employment, 
our money, our housing? Are we doing that? It's rhetorical, but are we are we doing that? And like, we, um, Mark, do you mind just coming out the band? Do you mind just come up and just um, fiddling with the instruments? <laughs> Playing. But I think that we need to. Sorry. But I think that we need to really just spend a moment now. We're going to do a little bit of worship um, and sing another song. But just while the band just like starts playing a little bit, I just want to read to you this um, this chapter. And do you, do you mind just getting to your feet for me? And can you just like can we just bow our heads and have our eyes closed? And I just want you to, just to, just, to get, just to respond, not for me to see you responding, but for, for you to give something to God in this, in this moment. Again, an opportunity, really, just to have a shift. Um, if you feel that, you know, you're kind of, you're not seeking God first in everything you're doing, or your, prior, your priorities are wrong at the moment, um, can you just put your hand in the air for me? And I'm just going to read out this, this chapter. This is not a, a place of judgment, by the way, because I'm just saying about my situation, I'm always doing it, but... I just want to read this, this chapter for you and then I want you to just bear this in mind over your life here and then we're going to worship and pray. So in Matthew 6, verse 19 to 34, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be a slave to money. That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable than, to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. <laughs> 